You're listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hull United Methodist Church. Be sure to visit us at hopehullumc.org sermons, where you can subscribe to future episodes of SermonCast and browse our archive of past messages. Thanks for tuning in. I like to think of salvation as getting connected to Jesus. You remember, of course, in John's Gospel, chapter 15, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So that connection has to happen for us to have meaning and joy and significance in the life we live. Getting connected to Jesus is the essence of of salvation. Connections matter. When I went to Ms. Melton's class in the first grade in Hohenberg Memorial School in Wetumpka, there was a little girl that sat on the front row near me. We sat near each other because my name was, last name was A, Albritton. Her name was Brown B. So we were seated alphabetically, and Albritton and Brown were sitting on the front row. That's when I met my wife. And the biggest mistake I ever made was not marrying her in the second grade. (laughs) I waited until we were 20. Connections matter. I'd finished at Auburn, Matt, and I, I did not have any means with which to go to seminary. Uh, there was no scholarship being offered. During my time at seminary, I had one scholarship. I got $100 one time from some committee. That's it. Nowadays, thank God, there are scholarships available for young men and young women to go to seminary. But I had no means of going. I finished at Auburn. We were serving the Laplace Circuit. And I was out uh, in the parsonage uh, front yard at Bradford's Chapel, not too far from Tuskegee, mowing the grass. And I saw Dean motioning for me to come to the door. So I cut the mower off and went. She said, you've got a phone call. I answered the phone. There's a man who... Said, my name is Newman Cryer. My friend Paul Duffy suggested that you might be interested in coming to Nashville to work with me on a magazine. And you would have the opportunity to work part time with me, and you could go to Vanderbilt to Divinity School. Connections make a difference. My friendship with Paul led him to recommend me to Newman. And that, that's the way I got to seminary. I didn't have the money to go. But God opened the door through that connection. Years later, my son Matt, who has my name, I should have named him John, I guess, or something else. But uh, anyway, he's afflicted with my name. Uh, Matt uh, served the devil for many years. At age 38, he got converted and soon was called to the ministry. And for the past five years, he served as pastor of First Methodist Church in Wetumpka, which is Dean and my, our home church. And uh, while he was at Asbury and Seminary, 
He called me one day in early December. He said, Dad, I've got some neighbors uh, who are studying here in seminary. They're, they're from Africa. And uh, they don't have anywhere to go at Christmas. And Dad, I just wondered if you and Mama would like to invite them to your house and let them spend Christmas with you. I said, Dean, what do you think? She said, okay. They came. One of the toughest weeks of our life. We didn't know they had five children. <laughs> the girls were two-year-old twins. Have you ever tried to teach a two-year-old anything? But you know, before the week was out, we fell in love with them and they with us. He calls me dad. He called Dean mama. They went from seminary back to Zambia. He was soon elected a bishop, served as a bishop in his country for three terms. They became dear friends of ours. That connection through that Christmas week opened the way for me to go to Zambia and for Dean to go to Zambia with me three times and to get exposed to one of the most beautiful countries in the world and uh, to minister to a lot of wonderful people. And through that connection, uh, more than three million U.S. dollars have, have gone to work in Zambia. Connections make a difference. And the most important connection you can ever have is your connection to Jesus Christ. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's say, Will, you, uh, you're a graduate now in this different world. You're in Austin. You may wonder, you may walk up, somebody may walk up to you one day and say, uh, do you believe in a supreme being? Yeah, uh, you, you mean God? might say to him, he says, yes, uh, do, you, do you believe in the supreme being? And that's when, if you're connected to Jesus, you can say, oh, yes, I know him. His name is Emmanuel. He has forgiven me of my sins. And his strengthening presence makes all the difference in the world to me. That gives you the opportunity to Identify yourself through that connection with the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Lord and Master, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to just share a few ideas about uh, how, how important this connection is and what it'll mean to you if you continue to be connected to Jesus Christ. I'm assuming today that most of you have surrendered to Jesus at one time or another in your life. At the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it again. Because I dare say you haven't done it today. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. To surrender the rest of your life to Jesus. Well, when Jesus is with you, when you have surrendered to him, and you get to know him, and you're connected to him, and his power is flowing through you, and he's helping you to deal with the problems of life, He's going to be with you when you face 
the tough times in life. Many of you, I can tell by your age, have been through some tough times. Kind of shows on your face sometimes, doesn't it? Been through some tough times. And we all need to, to teach the young that they need to be connected to Jesus because they're going to face some tough times in life. You'll face rejection. You'll face the refusal, the refusal of affection. I'll give you an example. When I was in seminary at Vanderbilt, my best friend was Jim Sullers. Jim's gone on to heaven now, I guess, and he died some years ago, but he was my best friend, brilliant young man. My grades were better because I studied with Jim. So if, if, if you're not a 4.5 student, study with somebody who is. That'll help you. Well, I studied with Jim. We were good friends. We were together all the time. He and his wife had a little baby girl. We had a little baby boy. And uh, we were good friends. Well, we finished seminary. I left. Uh, he left. Eleven years later, I went back to Nashville and was serving on the board of evangelism of our church. And Jim, by that time, had become the dean of the seminary, man. We'd graduated together. Now he was the dean of the seminary. I ran into him one day. We were across the street together. We stopped at a light, waiting on the light to change. And I said, Jim, how you doing? He said, Walter, how are you? So we embraced each other. And I said to Jim, uh, Jim, let's get together uh, soon. I, I'd love to spend some time with you. He said, Walter, most of my time is already committed. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. And he walked across the street to his next appointment. In this world, you will have to deal with times of rejection and the refusal of affection. There'll be moments when you're disappointed in other people and even disappointed in yourself by the way you react to the way they've treated you. You'll encounter failure. Failure does us all good. Helps us to realize that we're not God and we need to depend on Jesus to help us. But you'll face all of these tough times. My friend Jill Davis had a little boy named Christopher. He developed a disease which robbed him of his feet and his hands. He went blind, crawled around on the floor in a very crippled condition, blind. One day he died, five years old. Jill called me and told me that Christopher died. I rushed over to her house, and there were a few people already there. And I noticed that my friend Jane had already arrived. Jane was a close friend of Jill's. And I said to Jill as I embraced her, how are you doing? These were her words. She said, I'm okay. Jane came. Jane came. Jane came. Jane came. When you're with Jesus, he was under Jane or Jim. 
to be with you when you need somebody to prop you up and hold you till you can stand by yourself. Some of you know that my wife, Dean, died uh, in December of 2020. <clears throat> she had been sick for a long time, and uh, for several weeks, that is, and during that time, I, I sang to her a lot. I, when she was a little girl, her daddy would sing to her, You Are My Sunshine. You know that, don't you? You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. I sang that to Dean 50 times, I guess, during the last days because it meant the world to her to remember that her daddy had sung it to her when she was a little girl. Her daddy died when she was seven, but she treasured the memory of his singing. And I sang it to her. And because Jesus was with me, when Dean breathed the last breath, I was able to, to say the words that we find in Job Job 121, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus will be with you as you face the tough times in life. There's another way that he'll help you. Uh, he'll help you to learn the secret of contentment. We live in a busy world, guys. Noisy world. Music is too loud for us old people. Right, old people? It's a noisy world. I think sometimes people keep the volume up so they won't be able to hear God. And you may be able to drown him out with some of the noise of the world. But if you're going with Jesus, if he's with you, he'll teach you the secret of contentment. You'll be able to say with Paul, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether hungry or well-fed, whether in plenty or won't. What's the secret of contentment? You know, steak is a good thing. I like a good steak. But there have been times when I had to settle for spam. Naomi, my wife, Dean, could fix a, she could take a can of spam and put some potatoes and carrots and maybe a little pineapple in there, and you'd think you had a beef roast in your mouth. There were days we had to settle for spam instead of steak. If Jesus has helped you to discover the secret of contentment, you can be at peace about those spam days. You know, a lot of people, <coughs> I, I've just been amazed at the price of tickets. Have you noticed that? I saw the other day that you could go hear Garth Brooks for $100. I wonder how many people would come, Matt, if we said you can get in to hear Brother Walter for $100. I doubt if you'd even brought your whole family. 
he'd probably come and said, they're waiting at lunch. <laughs> but think about it. Jesus can help you to sit and watch the waves lap the shore without paying anything, a big ticket for it. Jesus can help you in the mountains to listen to the wind in the trees, listen to the birds singing, and let God bathe your soul with the peace that comes only through Jesus Christ. Jesus with you. He can help you to learn to be content. And then Jesus can help you <coughs> receive his joy and learn the value of laughter. Laughter so good. You know, sour faces have never won anybody to Jesus, as far as I can tell. So uh, if you're sitting there frowning at me, quit. <laughs> Smile back. I've had enough Methodists sitting there as though they were thinking, Lord, let the benediction come quick. <laughs> laughter. But you know something about laughter. Nobody ever benefits from being laughed at. But you know, as we're growing up in a family of children, we sometimes learn the bad habit of laughing at each other. <laughs> you, you dummy, you dummy. Never helped anybody, as far as I can tell. We need to learn the value of laughter, laughing at ourselves. Dean and I picked out a bed and breakfast one time. We went there with John and Carolyn Patterson. We hadn't seen it before. We got there and sat down for the breakfast, and little mice were running across the hearth at the fireplace. And I started laughing. John said, what are you laughing at? I said, I'm laughing at you and me. And I'm determining as we laugh that we ain't going to ever come see those mice again. We, we learn, need to learn to laugh at the mistakes we've made, to laugh at ourselves and to invite other people to laugh with us because as Solomon said, laughter is good medicine for the soul. And it is. And you know what many of us need is to relax and welcome the joy of the Lord into our lives and not be all bent out of shape about everything bad that's going on and learn to <laughs> laugh with our family and our friends. Jesus can help you do that. And then, most of all, I think this is maybe the, well, this is the main point. Jesus will help you to learn the great secret of life, to love and to be loved. That's the great secret. You know, as you, as you grow up, you're blind to certain things. And we who have become parents and lived a while are praying for our children to be delivered from their blindness sooner rather than later. 
Because when you're young, you think, if I could just get a driver's license, boy, hot dog, I'd be something if I had a driver's license. It didn't really mean that much. And then if I could just get a truck, boy, if I could have a truck, if I could have a Z71, get one of them El Dorados, um, whatever they call them, have that big fine truck and be paying $9,000 a month for it, you know, whatever. <laughs> if I could just get a house, have my own place, get my house. I won't have to put up with daddy and mama being uh, over me and telling me what to do. I want my own place so I can, I can decide the rules for myself. I get out there and I've got a mortgage payment that's choking me to death. But then I get adjusted to that, and I want a place up on the lake. Just got to have me a little place on the lake. And I get a little place on the lake, and then I need a jet ski. Hot dog, $4,500, and I've got a jet ski, and I can get on that baby, and I can go across the water. Woo, man, I can go. And if you... Have a grain of sense. Sooner or later you're going to realize that that's not the secret of life. The secret of life is learning to love and be loved. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? So if we've got six or seven hundred of them. Jesus, what's, what's, what's really important? Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor, have yourself. That's the secret of life. And when, when we begin to express love, how, how do you express love? When you try to love someone, you affirm and trust people. You affirm people. You don't criticize them. You affirm them and trust them. And you're quick to forgive when people sin against you. And you're quick to ask for forgiveness for your blunders. And you begin to discover the joy of being a servant of Jesus. Next Sunday, God willing, I'll be at uh, the Black Church in Montgomery, New Walk of Life. We're going to be honoring Cora Lee McDavid. Cora Lee is 95. She's served more meals at the Mercy House in Montgomery, in West Montgomery, a place of great poverty. Many black people live there who don't have water in the home. Many of them don't have lights. Many of them are hungry, but they can come to the Mercy House and get a hot meal. And Coralie McDavid, 95 years old, has fed more people at their Mercy House than any other person in, in the River Region. They're going to honor her next Sunday. I'm looking forward to being there to help honor her because she has demonstrated. I don't think she's got a truck. But she says to Paul, Paul, bring your truck. We'll use your truck to take the food out to the mercy house. Paul says, I'll, I'll be there. She's got a team of people who help her to do that. She's becoming a servant of Christ. Some years ago, my wife stopped 
going to the beauty parlor, what we called it, to get her hair fixed. I thought, didn't look quite as good, you know, her fixing it. I, I, I waited a year or so before I even mentioned it to her, but one day I took my life in my hands and I said, honey, uh, why don't you go get your hair fixed? She said, I can do it myself and that'll give us more money to send those orphans in Zambia. I never brought it up again. I realized I was living with a servant of Jesus. When you get into love, expressing real love, he'll show you how to be a servant of Jesus. And he'll show you how to get out of the basement and get in the balcony. You know, along the way, some of you have already chosen you're going to be in the basement. Some of you have already chosen you're going to be in the balcony. Of other people, I mean. The people in the basement, hey, you can't do it. You don't have what it takes. You're going to fail. You dummy. People in the balcony are saying, you can do it. You can do it. I'm pulling for you. I believe in you. Is there any way I can help you? I want to see you fulfill your dreams and become the person that Christ wants you to become. You're either in the basement or the balcony today. If you're in the basement, get out. Just get out. Get up in the balcony of people and cheer for them and encourage them and affirm them and trust them and love them. Because that's what it's all about, to love and to be loved. Matt, when I was a young pastor, my first church out of seminary, I began to discover there's a whole lot of stuff they don't teach in seminary. Ms. Miller called me and she said, Pastor, you know, my mama's been sick. She's very sick this week. I think she may die today. Uh, yes, ma'am. So I went over to the home. I stayed there for seven, eight hours. I didn't know quite what to do, what to say. And then I began to realize this, this lady is dying. She's going to die pretty soon. And Miss Miller's going to ask me to pray. And I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. I was sitting there sweating bullets trying to think of what I might say in a prayer when her mother died. And her mother died. And Ms. Miller looked at me and she said, Brother Walter, if it's all right with you, I'd like for us to kneel beside Mama's bed and I, I want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving for my mama. I said, yes, ma'am. I knelt down beside her she prayed the most beautiful prayer, thanking God for her mama, thanking God for the way she had been taught to love Jesus, thanking God for the sacrifices she had made for her. And I was kneeling there thinking, she was sweating bullets for nothing. Because I wanted to teach you 
and remind you that if I'm with you, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to show you how to live your life to honor Jesus. Well, I mentioned to you earlier, have you surrendered to Jesus today? The way you get connected is through surrender. And whatever else you do today, the most important thing you can do is surrender to Jesus. The most important thing that God ever did was surrender, was to make himself available to, to the world in Jesus. And the most important thing you and I can ever do, the greatest opportunity we have, is to surrender to Jesus and let him guide and direct our lives. So I want to invite you to surrender to him. And listen, don't just do it in church and then forget about it. Write it in your Bible. Write it on a piece of paper. Put it in your Bible. Write it down. Today, May 15, 2022, I surrendered my life, my future to Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I'm going to trust him to be with me because his name is Emmanuel. And with, with him, I could face the tough times in life. I can learn to be content in any situation. I can enjoy the value of laughter. And I can learn to love and to be loved. You've been listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hall United Methodist Church. If you enjoyed this message, consider sharing it with a few friends. Remember to visit us at hopeholeumc.org sermons and subscribe to get notified when new content is posted. Thanks for listening.